Um, so now we're just going to go across to Robin, who's just going to um, bring us this morning's reading. Morning. I'm going to be reading from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 20, um, reading from verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Just may Lord add his blessings to his word. Uh, yes, just wanted to thank Robin for, for reading um, from Matthew for us. And we just want to now go into the Word. So again, welcome uh, to everyone who's actually uh, tuning in and for those who possibly will tune in at some other point during the week. Uh, we just hope that um, you've been blessed so far by the worship. I was certainly blessed. I was worshipping over there behind my mask and singing. Um, but it's been a blessing to be able to still worship and serve the God that we love in this way. Um, so the message this morning will be taken, uh, well, I'm going to be preaching from Matthew, but just to go uh, do a quick recap of what we've been doing so far over the past few months. Um, the series that we've been going through is called Scattered Church, and that's taken or prompted by the book written by Alan Scott, um, Scattered Servants. So the first one we went uh, went through was Scattered Servants, Kingdom Authority, Kingdom Ministry. So these are the topics we've covered so far. Everyone, everywhere, every day, repositioning the church to reach the lost, stewarding the supernatural. And last week you heard from Debs, who really inspired us and really sort of lifted our spirits free to dream, released to pursue that dream. And today I'm going to be um, hoping to share with you from about loving our neighbors into life. So... We just want to empower the church to actively rise up and be the church that God has created the church to be. Uh, church is not just about coming to a building and then um, worshipping. You sing some songs, you listen to a very good, you know, inspiring sermon, then you go home. Church is much more deeper than that. So we're going to be going into the Word this morning, but... Um, you know, just a, a bit of an introduction. The title is based on chapter 13 of uh, Loving Our Cities Into Life. So that's where this topic is taken from this morning, from Alan Scott's book, as I said, Scattered Servants. So we are meant to bring life to the city that we live in. And in order to achieve that, each and every one of us 
we'll need to love our neighbors into life. Very broad topic, but my plan is to actually just narrow in on a few points today that hopefully will help you to just understand you know, what that means, what does that look like in reality. Um, so I'm going to take you to, I'm going to just read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Um, just looking at what love is. Uh, so it says here, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. So when I speak about loving our neighbor into life this morning, I would like for you to just listen with that in the back of your mind. What is love? What does love look like in reality? What are the things or the characteristics of love that should be displayed in our lives, in our homes, in our places of work, in our communities? What really does that look like in reality? So that's my plan this morning. So, um, loving our neighbors into life. Matthew 20, 20, 28, in the passage of Scripture, we see Jesus setting an example uh, for his followers. So we are his followers. And we can see there he's setting an example um, for his followers. Uh, demonstrates to us the difference we can make in our communities. So the life of Jesus, if we look at the life of Jesus, it is a life of, as you can see, sacrifice or service and sacrifice. And he, in the, the scripture that um, Robin has just read, you know, he says, if you want to be a leader, you have to understand that to lead, you've got to be a servant. It, it turns it everything on the head. So the world is telling us that to be a leader, others will need to serve you. And that's what the natural world you know, and these are the signals that you get from society at large, you know, in, in the places that we work, you know, leaders are in place and the leaders are there and, and their structure, the earthly structure is that leaders are there and everyone else below them serves them. Uh, but in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. You know, if you want to be a leader, it's about service. You know, the elders of churches, pastors of churches, leaders in various departments, they're serving, they're servants of the Most High. Um, I just wanted to also, it really should transform you. So transforming the world started at home. So Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus again, um, his work started where he lived. You know, he was a carpenter, we've been told. Um, but his work started in his hometown where he lived. And then we can see that, you know, as he developed and matured and grew and stepped into his ministry, we can see where, you know, the impact of what he came to do was felt not just within his own township, but it actually spread to neighboring towns and to other cities. And then transformation across the world is what we actually have seen over the centuries. Yeah. Um, just wanted to go to Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, so think about how much you love yourself. Just for a minute, think about that. And then think about your neighbor, your children, your husband, your wife, your neighbors next door, those at work. 
And then I'll think, do you actually love your neighbor as much as you love yourself? You see, the word of God is there to challenge us, to rise to that next standard that he's actually created us to rise to. And not just accept the fact that, yeah, this is how I was created, this is who I am, and that's it. No. The love of God should transform your lives. If you're not constantly looking at yourself and, and, and measuring yourself against the life of Jesus and the example that he came to set, right? We're meant to be moving and transforming. The gospel is transformational. So now we're just going to look at... Um, Scattered servants are moved by compassion for their neighbors. So, if you're a servant of the Most High, you really should be moved by compassion for your neighbors. So, in Luke 19, 41, 42, and Mark 6, 34, Jesus was moved by Jerusalem. You know, when he began to weep, he said how he wished that they would understand the way of peace. But in the Bible, you know, we can see what happened to them at the end. He was actually moved by the fact that they weren't actually taking on board his message you know, of peace and harmony and living together and, and just working together as neighbors. Uh, they didn't take that on board and actually they had to suffer the consequences of their actions. And that's another thing in life. You, know, you do suffer consequences for your decisions and your actions. Um, so Jesus saw a huge crowd and stepped from the boat. And as he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So as he stepped from the boat, there was a large crowd. So he began teaching them many things, and that's in Mark 6.34. So he actually had compassion. So he started you know, imparting the word to them, because he saw that they were lost. You know, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he had to step in and give some guidance as to how they should be living their lives. I mean, many people move into a town or a city, and we move for various reasons. You know, um, some of us move just to um, improve or add to our lives, better schools uh, for the children, access better job opportunities, uh, better pay, um, improve standard of living. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that in itself doesn't really bring life to a city or a town. If you're just going to a town to consume, it doesn't actually bring life to that city or a town. I mean, this mindset that, that we see there, that sort of approach to, to life, is more of a taking approach than a giving approach that we tend to see there. As believers, you know, we have to go against that, you know, counter-cultural. I mean, as believers, there's nothing wrong in improving yourself. Uh, that's something that we all strive to do, to improve our, over our lives, our family conditions in our lives, and also in our families' lives, and just to make sure that everyone is actually looked after. But we are also reminded that we need to have compassion. Um, if you're doing all the works that you're doing and there's no compassion, there's no love, uh, the Bible says you're wasting your time. It's all for nothing. Love towards our neighbors and the wider community and look for ways to give into your community in which you are. It's not enough just to be the quiet neighbor next door who keeps themselves to themselves and they know that you're a Christian, you know, you're a quiet Christian next door, um, but we are commanded to reach out to our neighbors. So not just be the, that little quiet neighbor next door, but we are commanded to reach out and care for our neighbors. You see, the type of journey that we're on, you know, it's a journey that requires us to be active, constantly moving, constantly at work for the kingdom of God. So how many of us have actually offered to pray for our neighbors 
during this time of pandemic. How many of us have actually, during the lockdown, have reached out to our neighbors to check on them to find out how they're coping? Have you offered to help a neighbor who has to self-isolate right now to either do the shopping or pick up medication? Is this something that, we, that comes to us naturally? If it doesn't, as a believer, these are things that we need to cultivate in our lives. Um, you know, again, it goes against your natural nature. You know, if you're naturally a quiet person, very shy person, uh, what Jesus is saying to us is that we need to go. The minute you're a citizen of the kingdom, you need to assume a different personality, a personality fit for the kingdom that we serve. Right, another heading I would just like to cover is scattered servants should bring peace to their neighbors. So anywhere that you are, you should bring that presence of God into that space. So at work for peace, work for peace, prosperity of the city, and this is Jeremiah 29, verses 7, it says, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So you think whatever happens in the city does impact you personally as well. Right, so as we pour and serve into this city, right, we also benefit from the improvements that we'd actually experience within that city as well. So it's twofold. We're giving into it and we're also receiving. The peace that is within us should, um, has power to transform a neighborhood, a town, a city, and a nation. And I truly believe that. Because if you see the power of God at work, you actually know that it is powerful enough to actually do anything to transform anyone and any life and any city and any region, any, any place that you are. And normally when we meditate on the word peace, the first thing that, we, that comes to mind is tranquility. But the biblical understanding of peace is transformative. So if you've got peace within you, it's not just a peace where you sit down in your corner and you're tranquil and, and, and you're dormant. This peace is a peace that actually is a call to service. It's a call to rise up. It's active. It's an active peace. It's not a dormant peace. It is meant to actually transform not just you as an individual, but whoever that you come in contact with around you. It has the power to transform marriages, workplaces, communities from deterioration to restoration, from decline to design. See, the power of God is not just for yourself, you know, to improve your life, and that's it. You know, it's good for you to, first, as it says, charity starts at home. So, of course, you, you minister into your home, but then there's a wider calling that we need to go out. And we need to actually be that good neighbor to the person next door. Um, and it doesn't matter how you, you feel maybe a, a bit shy in terms of as, as your natural personality or natural persona, that you're a naturally shy person, you, you don't really want to go up to strangers and talk about God or talk about issues of life or whatever. But we are actually commanded to do just that. Because this peace that God has placed within us, this love that God has placed within us, is not just for ourselves and for the betterment of ourselves. It's for the benefit of your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, and the communities in which we live. That is what this Great Commission is all about. And of course, if you're having problems in your marriages, you know, as leaders of this church, we do ask you to come to us. Don't come to us when it's too late and you're at breaking point. 
If you're having problems in your homes with, with your kids as they grow up, come to us. We ask you, please, because we want to help you on this journey to give you good advice, sound advice, biblical advice to pour into your lives because that does make a difference. So you should always be the one to bring peace into an environment where there is tension. You should be the peacemakers. And there's a story that I read within, uh, in this book, um, Scattered Servants, Alice Scott, where they were sharing that they were having a, a public event in a town in Ireland. And um, they actually got the police there and all you know, the parties who should be there. But they invited the church, the local church, along. And the church came along and they said, okay, what role would you like us to play, you know, uh, just, you know, um, in terms of for the day to actually help you guys and assist you die. They said, the organizers of the event said, um, yeah, the police are there, but what we notice is that when the police is there, things, they tend to actually create a, a tense atmosphere. People get a bit on their, on their sort of P's and Q's when police are there, and it does create a little bit of a tense atmosphere. But when you guys show from the church, we notice that the atmosphere changes. And that is really what it's about, this life that we live in as Christians. Wherever you go, the atmosphere needs to change. It should change. If it doesn't change, I'll leave that question to you to answer. And part of the reason why we have so much brokenness in our neighbors, neighborhoods, towns, cities, is because of lack of spiritual leadership. Which brings me to my next point. So scattered servants should become fathers and mothers to our neighborhoods. So in Alan Scott's book, he shares where there is an absence of spiritual fathers that will leave a vacuum which will make way for gangs, gang violence, uh, drug addiction, prostitution, and basically the worst of mankind comes out in those places where there's an absence of spiritual leadership. The neighborhood, town, and city need spiritual fathers and mothers to breathe life into it. So it starts within each home. I mean, in the news, we, we've heard about um, the significant difference that uh, Marcus Rashford has made within Manchester. So he's a Manchester United player. For those who know football, I know you know this guy. But he's made the, the news over the, over the past few months. Um, he's actually just petitioned the government on behalf of uh, those kids who, during um, holiday time, don't actually have enough food to eat. And when I saw that, I actually got curious. I actually started doing some research to find out what was the driving force behind Marcus, Marcus's move to actually do that. And what I realized is that although he doesn't publicly profess to be a Christian, but his mother professes to be a devout Christian. And she was actually very determined for him not to go off the rails because the area in which he grew up um, in Manchester was very deprived, very poor, and uh, there was a lot of gang sort of elements around, gang, drugs, you name it, it was there. So his life could have gone and taken a different turn. But his mom, who knows God, who knows the life that you, know, you need to be living, the empowering life, a life 
of service and sacrifice. She knows what that looks like. She's poured into her son. And as a result, we can see the result of that. That's been placed in his heart. You see, this is really what scattered servants should be doing. This is what happens when you're scattered as a church. You become, we become more effective. We're actually operating within our natural habitat when we're scattered. This is what we were created to do. And the final point I'm just going to cover today is that scattered servants should partner with their neighbors. So, as a church, I mean, it's impossible to bring life into a community in isolation. So we cannot just work as a group, as a church, to bring life into a community. It does take the efforts of us partnering with other churches in our area, partnering with other organization, uh, organizations within our area to make sure that we're pouring and breathing life into our towns and cities. And I just want to share one thing with you, is that no one church has all the solutions for all the problems in its communities. It takes a team effort to breathe life into a city and a town. And there are two parts, you know, loving our neighbor into life. For B, there are two sides to it. Number one, by serving in our communities sacrificially, we'll breathe life into that community, which will transform it from being a, a, a place filled with brokenness to a place filled with hope, peace, joy, happiness. So that's one side of it, the physical, what we can see, what's evident, what we see around us, the life that we experience with our neighbors around us. So that is one aspect of uh, loving our neighbors into life. The other aspect of loving our neighbors, neighbors into life is also that by also sharing the gospel as we serve and we work we will also be introducing them to eternal life instead of death. There are two sides to this. So it's not just for this life, but also for the life to come. We're breathing life into them right now, but also eternal life as well. So as I've actually gone through this topic today, I really hope that you've been blessed by that, you've been uplifted and inspired as to you know, what we're meant to be doing as a church that it's not dormant. We're not meant to be just sitting aside or just stay in our homes. We go to church on a Sunday, come back home. We're meant to be active out there working in our communities, working with our neighbors. Um, recently, I've just had a new neighbor move in a few doors down. And um, just a few days ago, I actually went up myself and my wife, and we just knocked the door and just said, hello, introduce ourselves. And look, we live at this um, number, not just down the road, a few doors down. And just introduce ourselves and just say, hello, we're here. And just sharing, them, you know, sharing with them what's available in the area. But that's a connection. You know, when I moved into the area, I don't remember anyone doing that. You know, so it does, that, that's not natural because as a, as a nation, I think we're very conservative as, as in nature. So as a Christian, we have to live our lives counter-cultural. So going against the natural order of what the culture within this country dictates. Because we're now living for a different kingdom. Kingdom culture is what we're meant to be about. And this is what we are, are, are about as a church. We want to make a difference in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our nation.